0: Studio in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is
1: the n Report Husker Show.
0: All uh, good afternoon, and welcome everyone to another edition of the n Report Husker Show. I'm Bill Renschler joined alongside Sports Director Kevin Suits. Kevin, we kind of rearranged a little bit today. Do I need to shout? Can, can you hear me? <laughs> you you are pretty far away, uh, but I, feel I think like this is
2: the COVID social distancing uh, setup.
0: Almost. Almost but it looks good. Different. We
2: get to show more of
0: our beautiful screens over here. I know. We have all of these beautiful monitors, which everyone loves to see. We also have sports tr- uh, sports reporter Chase Madison. Uh, we don't want to leave him out, so let's go ahead uh, and bring him in. Chase, how are you doing uh, on this lovely Tuesday afternoon?
3: Yeah, I appreciate having me on. I'm just over in the sports office. Um, <laughs> I'm doing well, you know. Uh, not too long of a uh, player availability today. You know, the Huskers... Um, media schedule seems like it's every day of the week so
0: it does
2: it it is pretty much yeah Yeah. so for folks that are watching or listening that don't know the media availability and the interviews that we are allowed to conduct it's different this year than previous year it seems to change with every every coaching staff Mm -hmm. the way matt rule is doing it uh we have access to the head coach on monday and that's usually around midday and then tuesday is our opportunity to talk to the players Mm -hmm. Wednesday we get post uh, pre-practice availability that's the day that they practice later in the day so we will hear from coordinators assistant coaches and miscellaneous players on Wednesday and then Thursday we get Matt Rule again for his final thoughts before the game and then Saturday we talk to the team following the game so
0: it's a lot oh, almost every day again uh, practically I'd say a full-time job okay. on top of covering volleyball all the high school sports and everything else you're spinning a lot of plates in the air Kevin. so
2: right now uh, as Ch- chase was alluding to that we just got back from talking to the players today and we heard from coach rule on monday so we have the full uh index of thoughts from the nebraska football program on nebraska's
0: upcoming game against northern illinois on saturday a home game finally a home game finally it seems like it's been forever in a day before we jump into the northern illinois stuff again really quickly just looking back at colorado um i, I I would say there's not a whole lot more to dissect from that. I guess the one thing that kind of came out afterwards, Colorado claiming some disrespect uh, from Nebraska, I guess gathering uh, midfield. Um,
1: Rule addressed this in his press conference yesterday. Let's listen to what he had to say really quickly. We do it every state, and We go there and we pray for blessings. When they they came in, I asked them if they wanted to, I said I asked Shadur if he wanted to pray with us. You know, I mean... We, I, I pray over every, you know, I'm a public official, but I can have my own faith. And I say pray. We, we, we take a moment as a team. Like, you know, it's not, it's non-dened. We have Muslim guys. We have non-believers. We just take a moment as a team and just, I want that field to be safe for everybody. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the game, no, one, no one's going to tell me who I am. You know, at the end of that game, they told me, hey, we're going to run right off the field and they're going to storm the field. I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't care if I get beaten up by a mob I'm walking across running across that field and I'm shaking coach Sanders hand so no people can say what you know when you're losing people are going to say all kinds of things about you I know exactly who I am I know exactly who I am and I'm coaching this team with class and I'm not changing and I went over there and I shook that man's hand I whispered in his ear and I've never disrespected an opponent a day in my life and never will. So that was rule yesterday after should, should do- we do it every stadium we go there we pray for blessings. When they, they came in, I asked them if they wanted to. I, said, I asked Shadur.
0: Hit the wrong button there. But Shadur Sanders following the game had, had said some things. Rule said his things.
2: I think we've learned that Colorado is going to use anything and everything to try to uh, drive a narrative or mm-hmm. motivate the team. I think that's just the way that – that coaching staff is going to operate. That they must feel a need to to try to make it personal. That's what they said about Nebraska, um, and even some of the comments that have happened following the game. Um, yeah. So th- this this whole situation, which you know, I witnessed, and I didn't think two things of it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of kind of just kept the, the the flames of it kept getting higher and higher and brighter and warmer and uh it still was kind of heavy on Monday I think that we're past it though so uh we've gone through it right yeah Colorado didn't like it Matt Rule says there was no disrespect this Colorado. wasn't like
0: Baker Mayfield planting the OU flag in the middle of the right. field this yeah saw. So. and I'll have you know then Nebraska did the same thing at Minnesota before
2: the game. So there you go. They went to yeah. midfield. I don't think that they intentionally went on the logo. And so that's where just Colorado, um, I, I, they were
3: sensitive toward the Huskers standing on top of the Buffalo.
0: Yeah. I, I, I guess I can understand that,
3: Chase. Yeah. When they say they're going to do it every game, I don't think – You know, it was week two, and I guess, like, on top of your logo. uh, There's also a clip going around of Shadur Sanders flexing his whatever watch it was right in front of Billy Kemp IV with headphones on. You know, Billy Kemp IV is one of the most veteran players in pretty much all of college football. I doubt he had anything, you know, mean to say. Probably was just mature and had some camaraderie before the game. And, you know, it's just a – it's. I guess Colorado can spin things because they have that national media spotlight on them. But um, I thought rules comments were very professional. And, you know, move on, flush it, and it really didn't have anything to do with the game.
2: Yeah. I'm just curious, when Nebraska, the next home game's not for another few weeks, when they go to Illinois, are they, are they, are they gonna be aware of making sure they don't stand on the block I? And even if yeah. they do, are is anybody gonna care? I don't know, I don't get the sense that Illinois is gonna get too fired up over Nebraska standing near midfield when they get, and it's not like this is right before kickoff. This, no, is, this is two and a half hours before the game begins.
0: They're not and in full, they're not in pads. They're they're in their street yeah, clothes still.
3: It also sounds like the purpose of it is to kind of like bless over the game. And I know like rule kind of said it's not super denominational at all or religious in any way, but. He was saying that it's, you know, to kind of hope to prevent injuries. And to the game of football is a dangerous sport, and they're risking their lives and their health and sanity to go out there and play for Nebraska. So I think, you know, he was just kind of doing it for both teams, and it's something that Rule is a religious person, and so I think it's just more of a um, it's it's more of a positive thing that I don't think any team really should have banter with.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a Michigan player during warm ups when, when they were at Michigan State, went to midfield and started like scraping the paint off of the Michigan State logo at I, midfield. Like, I do remember that, that. That's like, that's disrespect. Yes, This Because that not is that. like intentional. Yes. This, I feel like there is not a whole lot of intent there. So it's like, as Nebraska wants to move past Colorado and, you know, there are still 10 games ahead. There just seem to be some lingering elements of the game in Boulder that they can't quite shake yet. However, now that it's like everything done is done football-wise from Tuesday, I feel like it's focused forward. Mm -hmm. Leave Colorado in the rear view. And now there's some discussion about Northern Illinois, Mm -hmm. a team that came to Lincoln in 2017 and beat the Huskers. They have uh, a reputation – you know they're a MAC school. Yep. They're not afraid to play power. Some power, action. They're not afraid to play Power Five programs, and they already mm-hmm. have a Power Five win this year. They open the season at Boston College and beat the Eagles.
0: That is true. So that is a good segue. Again, just kind of getting away from last week, looking at storylines as we look ahead to Northern Illinois. Nebraska three and one all-time versus Northern Illinois. Again, the loss back in 2017. They did beat them in 2019, 44 to eight. Currently, Chase, 11.5-point favorites. That has kind of been trending the Huskers' direction. Kind of, I think it started at 10 the last time I saw it. It was 11 yesterday, 11.5 11 now.
3: Yeah, uh, if, if you're looking at betting things, I think maybe a team total over would be the question a lot of fans would be having just because of the offensive inconsistencies. But mm-hmm. uh, this is a Northern Illinois team that, did go and beat Boston College, I and mean, they lost to Southern Illinois last week, which was kind of not a game that you think they should lose. A battle um, but, of the
0: directional Illinois.
3: Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is a, a team that, even though the players are saying it today, that they're kind of treating this like they're preparing for Michigan, right? it's Northern Illinois has a good defensive line. They can run the football, and so um, I think that line is fair right now, just because of what Nebraska's offense has been. Um, but, obviously... The expectation is they should they should win this week, the Huskers.
2: You know, it's a couple of interesting notes about the line. What did you say, 11 and a half? 11 and a half.
0: half. I just checked before we came on here.
2: How many points did Nebraska score against Colorado?
0: 14. 14.
2: How many points did they score against Minnesota? 10. You see the point I'm going to make here? Yeah. In order to cover that spread.
0: They got to score more points than they've scored all year.
2: Combined. Or not allow any points. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and score the 11. So that's one thing to consider if you're uh, somebody that likes to wager on on sports. Uh, and then another thing is you know looking at the over and under. Nebraska's yet to score in the first half this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, uh, I don't know what the exact number is. You know, I'm not big into the whole gambling scene. Um, But it does give you a sense of who's favored. Nebraska is favored uh, in this game. And it seems to be that Nebraska is the trendy pick in the game right now. Uh, It will be interesting to see this team on the turf at Memorial Stadium. It's Mm -hmm. the Huskers' home opener. And excluding the 2020 year, this is the latest home opener for the Huskers since 1981. You know, gone are the days of opening the season on your home field against Tennessee Tech State (laughs) A&M. You know, the games where you can pocket a win, build some momentum. Look at what Alabama does. They typically play a week one cupcake. There Mm -hmm. are a number of teams that... You know they'll pay out to bring a team in they get the win and then they get a little momentum nebraska unfortunately you know they opened this year with minnesota last year they opened with northern illinois on a different continent so it seems like it's been forever since the huskers have played a season opener at home against an fcs mm -hmm. or uh, a group of five opponent
0: yeah But, I mean, moving forward, again, you look at what, what, I guess, you know, kind of getting a little off topic here, but what the Big Ten is doing, you know, going to 18 teams or whatever it is now, you know, who knows what they're doing in the future, maybe playing 10 league games. It's going to be like this every week. You're going to be going out to Oregon or going out to UCLA or having USC at home or then playing Ohio State, playing Iowa, Wisconsin.
2: I do get from the league's perspective that you want some conference games early in the year. I know mm-hmm. the coaches don't like that mm-hmm. because it instantly puts the heat on fall camp, mm-hmm. uh, on the off season, and then that week one. That week one prep, especially if a team is going through a coaching change. And, you know, that that's tough. But from the Big Ten's perspective, especially you raise a good point, Bill, with more teams, you're going to need to fill more spots. More inventory. And you're going to want to shine the light on the conference early in the year. And you don't want to, it's hard to shine the light on your conference if you have, you know, 14 or 18 teams all playing FCS opponents. So it makes sense. I mean, even, you know, Indiana and Rutgers played early in the season. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a great game but, it was, but a it, was, it was the conferences or excuse me northwestern records uh was the week one game in the conference but it shined a little bit of the light on the league yeah so that's interesting to see what's going to happen finally nebraska gets a non-power five opponent with an o and two record and a fan base that has probably shifted its perspective of the season substantially not just because the record is two. But because of the product that they've seen on the field,
0: I think we've gone from, uh, yeah, this team should make a bowl game to, I don't know if this team will make a bowl game. Six wins over the next ten games, it, you know, it's doable. You know, this the schedule is still, you know, there. You still have some teams that you know look like you should be able to beat on paper, but. Uh, the foundation has been shaken a little bit, nice I,
2: I can make a pretty good argument for how Nebraska wins six of their final ten games. Yeah? We won't do it right now. That'll be a pod for another day. Another day. But if you look at their schedule and you look at how those teams have played in the first two weeks,
0: it's not unfathomable. No, it's not, especially the way the defense is played. Correct. Defense is going to keep them in some games.
3: Yeah, well, and they also could just they could also win three games and you know surprise us all. So I'm I'm open to any any end of the spectrum for Nebraska. But I I agree with Kevin. Like it is does feel finally good to kind of right the ship, um, stay calm in the waters was one of the messages in mm-hmm. just kind of you know going into a non-conference opponent. You're zero 2 it's a it's a one and zero mentality every week, which a lot of college coaches pushes, which. Is good in a sense, but you know, I think you do kind of have to look back and say, like, okay, now they have to get on track. Like, sure, want to know every week, but those two losses are going to loom. But I think the team's approach right now is those two losses kind of were teaching moments, stepping stones. And it does kind of hurt that Nebraska's scheduling this year in the Big Ten saw them open with a pretty tough, pretty good defense in Minnesota on the road. So that one just didn't fall in their favor with a cupcake home opener that maybe you know you get to kind of iron out some wrinkles of this team
2: so the first game for nebraska against minnesota everybody left that saying shoot close game should have won hurt ourselves but it's not like it was season altering stuff no last week was season altering stuff but if you listen to matt rule From what he said after the game on Saturday and then again on Monday he has said multiple times it was a seven-point game with five minutes left in the third quarter so if you read between the lines it's essentially saying we were right there the game just totally got away from them Mm -hmm. and what I mean by got away from them is the mistakes compounded and when they fell behind by more than two scores they had to completely abandon the game plan they had that had been working for two full quarters and about seven minutes of another quarter
0: mm-hmm and you think again, if a defense is maybe playing with a a lead, you know maybe some of those bigger chunk plays in the second half, end of the third quarter,
2: well, when you don't score in the first half, it's hard to play with a lead,
0: yes, period, that's true,
2: and I think that might be you know if we were to you know wiggle our toes and uh, flip, our, flap our ears and go into the Matt Rule's office, maybe on the whiteboard, it says, get ahead early. Yeah. I know he's all about playing for mm-hmm. the fourth quarter, yep. but this is maybe an instance this Saturday where he really wants to emphasize getting ahead early. And what's interesting about the first half struggles, a lot of college football programs, most of them, all of them have their first place scripted. Yeah if they're not able to score or produce offensively on the script, that's when the offensive staff probably locks the doors and spends a good four or five hours together saying, all right, let's reevaluate our approach, our talent and our play calling. Mm -hmm. What do we need to do different? Because the script isn't yielding results or perhaps they're just getting different looks defensively than what they're preparing for. Um, But I do, you know, I do get the sense that this coaching staff is taking full ownership. And I really have a lot of respect for Matt Rule on Monday saying he didn't have his team prepared. Mm. And have we heard that before from coaches? Mm. Yes. Uh, A lot of coaches say that, but he specifically said how he didn't have his team Mm -hmm. prepared. He didn't have them prepared in his own admission for the noise inside Colorado. And then there was a few circumstances that he pointed out that like, yeah, we weren't quite ready for that. And even saying that quarterback jumping on a fumble, uh, whether it's a snap or a handoff, they don't practice that. He admitted those things. That
0: was a really interesting insight. They They tell him to get out of the way. In, in what, practice. Yeah, and well what do quarterbacks wear in practice? They're wearing their green no contact jersey, probably. So we're not gonna have contact. Yeah. So
2: if you're not wear if you're wearing that jersey and the ball's on the turf, are you going after the ball? No. Mm-mm. So that was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I just love the honesty and uh, i I love some of the self-awareness from Matt Rule and just the fact that he's willing to put himself in front of all of the players because we know Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield, they're not snapping the ball, mm-hmm. they're not catching the snap they are not dropping a pass over the middle there are some player things but they're not going to put their players into position to receive the blame for the result on the game because they ultimately know it starts with them and in retrospect i wonder if matt rule and marcus satterfield wish that they would have had more under center snaps instead of going out of the shotgun those are some things you just get caught up in the moment and you get caught up in the script that you have for the game and it can get Away from you, mm-hmm. so there are just so many things at play here, and it's amazing that we could go so long talking about just two games. Yeah, I know. And there's right? a lot of season ahead.
0: And there's still ten games. Chase, I thought it was interesting. Again, rule, uh, again, also kind of talked about. It. He thought maybe he did the offense a disservice in fall camp. Again, with Tony White's defense, all the looks maybe kind of setting the offense back, maybe even a little bit more than an offense would normally be to start the year. Again, 24 points in, in two games, eight turnovers in two games, minus six turnover uh, margin.
3: Yeah, I don't know if it was so much a disservice. It's just, I think, you know, going into preparation, you this is an offense that um, I think just needed to be more like have more dy- like be more dynamic and uh, and see more looks. Um, I know they saw a ton with Tony White's defense, but like you kind of I think the eight thirty one was the whole thing in the in, in August, right, Minnesota. But I feel like they did a lot of preparing for what the Huskers preparing against the Huskers defense, which has been very good, but maybe not enough preparing for opposing schemes, if that makes sense, and running kind of scout teams and running what minnesota looks like and like you know you had a lot of time to prepare for these looks but um ultimately what it's really coming down to is just unforced errors like uh, even Gabe Urban said today that last week they had a good week at practice it was just kind of the ball fumbling the wrong way the ball landing the wrong way and he even said it's not all in jeff he took pretty much full responsibility for that mischanged handoff that was costly in the third quarter against Colorado. So um, I think it just comes down to those kind of random errors, right? It's things that you don't simulate in practice, and you just really can't expect to happen in the game.
2: And- oh, so many Nebraska fans hear that, and they're just not in agreement. Yeah. It's a random it, – it, it's like – if there's a program to have some of these circumstances, it's it's this one, right? It's this right? one.
1: And
0: but, that's why you thought week one against Minnesota with the trick play, that ball could have bounced anywhere, oh, but it yeah. bounced right back into – and it's like, all right, this is the break that we finally need. And then well, a week later, Tristan
2: Alvano's field goal hit. Doink. Uh, that thing almost went over the goalpost, by the way. Yeah. Like, that would have been good from 56 yards. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well,
3: he was, he was playing at a high altitude for that kick. Uh, but <laughs> – well, you have to factor that in. He does well have a leg, and, you know, that kick wasn't his best, but um, I, I think he still played well. He, still, he still looked good, Albano has. But I want to mention Rule. Rule talking about, and the whole, like, Nebraska we've seen this year over year. For Rule, I know it will start to build up, but his mentality right now is that the team's 0-2, he's 0-2. The past five years, the past, uh, the I guess, Laundry stains that were on the Nebraska clothing right now aren't Rule's fault, right? He's, he's bringing the Tide pen to it to try to get it out. But I think until we have a few seasons under your belt, and I know for Nebraska fans that's going to be a hard time being patient, right? I think you can't judge this team or Rule's performance too much right now. And I yeah. like his his humbleness.
0: Yeah, he's saying he's, he's owned too. You know, these struggles go back a couple years, but he is 0-2. This team is 0-2, not 0-whatever.
2: I I included on my social media posts on Sunday the tweets from the road. Which are excellent, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. It's it's a complete brain dump. If you have nothing better to do with your time, you can read through them for three to five minutes. (laughs) Uh, And there's a lot of nonsense in there. But this is one that wasn't nonsensical. It was actually uh, what I thought was one of my biggest takeaways from the first two games of the Matt Rule era he continues to preach patience and he's not going to panic and he says we're better than that performance
0: mm-hmm.
2: are those fair statements yeah absolutely are they about his process yeah absolutely it's nothing earth shattering mm-hmm. why is it follow, falling so hollow on this fan base here's why five years of the scott frost era it was the same message even though there's a different messenger mm-hmm. Folks know that that five years resulted in no bowl games Mm -hmm. in five losing seasons and regression. So it's really hard. If your patience has already been tested for half of a decade, it's hard to hear that again, no matter the people that are saying it. Mm -hmm. And as much as you want to believe Matt Rule, and I think there are still a number of fans that do believe in Matt Rule. It's just really hard to hear that message. And that puts Matt Rule in a very tough spot because he's trying to sell hope. He's trying to stay insulated and focus on the process and the formula that has allowed him to transform the Temple football program and the Baylor football program. He's attempting to do that here. And you know, as well as anybody that's listened to all of his press conferences, that he believes in his methods. He's not going to change it. And this is part of it. Mm -hmm. But because of the 0-2 start and because of the coaching environment and message that predated him, it's kind of tough for some fans to
0: hear. And I wonder if it's just exacerbated by the fact that you played Colorado. If you played someone else and you lost, but you played Deion Sanders, who's been there a year, he flipped the roster, 80 transfers, now he's 2-0 ranked in the top 20. It just gives you that dichotomy of the quick fix versus the – the you know he says building the foundation on rock
2: yeah that doesn't help Lance Leopold right now Kansas yeah right yeah he hasn't been there what this is his third year yeah second year second year third year I
0: think it's third year
2: Lance has that team that program in a completely different space that's a quick fix yeah so he didn't do it coach Prime's way he did it the Lance Leopold way mm-hmm. um, and they're having success so again there are some some challenges being thrown at this fan base which has been rather restless over what's transpired over the past several years here. So,
0: we could we talk about this for a long, long time, but we got... We got pretty down in the hole there. Yeah, we did. I want to ask you, does Jeff Sims start this weekend? Yes. Even with uh, the high ankle, you think, Chase?
3: Um, I would, I would agree with Kevin. I'd say yes. I, I think there's a good chance it's Heinrich, and they keep him out, but if he's any what ready to go, he's going to be out.
2: I think so. I, I, I think we would have maybe had a little bit more indication after talking to Rule and the players, especially talking to the players after practice today. Mm. Um, I think we'd maybe have a better sense that if he wasn't going to play, then he is going to play. Not to mention at the end of that game, he was on his feet. You know, he was on the Wanted field. Wanted to go back in. He was hugging uh, some of the Colorado players he knew. He looked okay. He, he did not practice on Sunday, but that could have been precautionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jeff Sims starts on Saturday.
0: And then I want to touch on just some of the younger defensive players that we saw, I think, kind of break out in this game and that Matt Rule kind of mentioned uh, yesterday on Monday as well. But Cam Lenhart, obviously the big one. Uh, again, he's, they've called him a fake freshman. And, again, we could kind of see why today. He spoke for almost 10 minutes. After hearing him, you wouldn't think that this young man is a freshman. Cam? No.
2: big dude yeah he's a large man and he's really good yeah um you know part of the reason he had so many opportunities to make plays in the first half against colorado he was filling in while ty robinson Mm -hmm. served that one half suspension he saw a little bit of decrease in his playing time in the second half because ty was back uh but cam linhardt he he is a physical specimen Uh, from the New Jersey area he's got some toughness some New Jersey toughness to Mm -hmm. him and you know playing at IMG Academy that is a that is an organization that tries to get guys prepared to not just go to college but contribute to college and play at a really high level so he has really good training and man what an asset he is on this defensive front I think the D line has already exceeded my expectations for this year. They're, they're pretty good. I think the best part of the team, in my opinion, Chase might agree with this, is the defensive backfield, and I'm not going to change my tune on that yet. Uh, but I think the D-line is second.
0: Yeah, I mean, between Lenhart, I feel like Nash Hutmacher's taken a huge step forward uh, this year. You have uh, uh, Prince Will, eumann uh, meelin' I probably said it wrong. I gave it a try. Uh, we saw Riley Van Poppel again, who's a freshman. He had half a sack against Colorado. Uh, Blaze Gunnerson again. I feel like that defensive line group has been really, really, really good.
3: Yeah, um, I, I agreed with Kevin like preseason when we did our preseason special that the defensive back room is kind of one of the more surefire things about this Nebraska team. Um, and we'll have to see how that translates to Big Ten play. I think they did a pretty good job slowing down the speed of Travis Hunter. Um, Xavier Weaver was still able to have a field day at Folsom Field. Um, Jimmy Horn, Jr. was slowed down. but And, and it's just p- partly because Colorado has so many skilled players that someone's going to do something. Um, but I think the defensive line is, yeah, it's really stepping up. It's going to be interesting to see when it goes against a Big Ten offensive line like a Michigan compared to Colorado or compared to Northern Illinois this week. Um, but still, a ton of positives to take away from how talented – Uh, the defensive line is and Cam Linhart, uh, great guy. Um, He uh, already is kind of giving me um, the hints of a professional player. I think he has NFL capabilities, the way he carries himself. Um, He actually grew up in Staten Island and went to school in New Jersey and talked about commuting an hour and 15 minutes with his mom every day to go to high school to play football. Uh, before going to IMG so he's a guy that wants to have success he was thrown out into the fire and and excelled on one of the biggest stages
2: yeah first career start he has two sacks first guy
0: to do that since Barry Turner
2: I mean that's pretty five. awesome yeah oh, B Turner that's a good one mm-hmm. I loved watching Barry if you look at the sack numbers in total for Nebraska uh, they lead the country in sacks right now
3: which wow, is pretty impressive that surprises me
2: you've got Luke Reimer at two and a half sacks Linhart has two. Henrich has two. He's only played in one game, he still has two. Jamari Butler has a sack. Uh, Taman Lynam has a sack. Uh, it, it, it's pretty good production. Yeah. And it's not just, like, one guy that's coming off the edge. They don't have a Lawrence Taylor <laughs> that's in the backfield every time. Um, so there are multiple guys. Blaze Gunderson has a sack. Nash has a sack. Uh, they've got multiple guys that can produce up front.
0: And then one guy we heard from today, um, again, someone who's been in the program but really hasn't done much until this season is Makai Baer. Uh, again, we kind of saw him flash on special teams against Minnesota and then gets the start against Colorado. and. Plays pretty well.
2: Yeah, what a great story this is, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the era of the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. He admitted that he thought he was just going to play special teams this year, and he admits it's been tough because he's been buried on the depth chart, hasn't had a lot of looks over the past couple of years. Bayer is in his third year in the program, and here he is getting a start at Colorado. Not only that, he records six tackles uh, against Colorado, including a really key TFL Mm -hmm. in the first half. So, Chase mentioned humble about Matt Rule. Uh, I sensed an enormous amount of humbleness from Bayor. Just the fact that, like, he, he doesn't have an inflated ego. If anything, like, he's had to fight some demons of thinking he wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It just took the right people around him for him to create self-belief. Now he can go play. Yeah. And he credits uh, Nebraska's linebackers coach, Rob Dvorachek, in a lot of that. So, Rule, Dvorachek, they told him that he's going to have a role on this team, that they believed in him. He started believing a little bit more in himself after going through a couple of challenging years of college football. And now, all of a sudden, you look at him, he's a great compliment to Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer.
0: So we'll, we'll kind of try and start to head towards the exit here. I know, Chase, you gotta, you got to take off here in a few minutes. Uh, give me your quick keys to the, uh, to the game this weekend. What are, what are kind of the one or two things that you're really looking for Nebraska to do successfully to have a good day against Northern Illinois?
3: Well, it obviously starts up front, you know, um, on the offensive side of the ball. Just clean handoffs and no mistakes there. Try to have a clean sheet. In the, if they can have zero turnovers or even be in the plus margin – um, I think Nebraska fans will be singing praises. I also, uh, I also think Gabe Irvin Jr. needs to get 10-plus carries, 15 carries. Um, I'd like to see that. I think he talked about consistency, and he gets it going. Um, and if you continue to feed him the rock, I think he'll have a pretty good day. So those are the keys on offense. On defense, it's about slowing down this Northern Illinois run game. Quarterback Rocky Lombardi, uh, all-time name, by the way. Um, it's his seventh year of college football. He's, uh, he's a guy that knows what he's doing, uh, but he has three interceptions on the season, so look for the defensive backs to have a decent day. and uh, The D-line seems more worried about the Northern Illinois run game, um, but I, overall I'm not too impressed with what they bring to the table offensively. And then the final thing I will leave you with is we talked about betting lines and interesting things. This is not Nebraska-related, but it is going to be something to see. In the Big Ten, Iowa – playing western michigan is favored by 28 and a half Ooh. and if you know the situation with their offensive coordinator they don't score the football and no. so it's going to be an interesting thing to see but if we move back to nebraska run the ball give gabe Irvin the junior the ball and then just try to slow down the northern illinois offense and and just play a clean game right try to get try to be plus in the turnover margin
0: They're probably banking on uh, one or two maybe defensive touchdowns in that game, Chase. For Iowa, yeah. Yes, for Iowa. What about you, Kevin? Well, uh,
2: similarly to what Chase said, they've got to take the ball away. And Northern Illinois is going to throw the football.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, So there's going to be opportunities for those defensive backs to make plays. They need to create turnovers. They've been really low in that category. They've given the ball away a ton, but they haven't created a ton of uh, takeaways. So they have to... They have to take the football away. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to copy off of Chase, but I think it's pretty smart in his analysis of this game. <laughs> you got to run the football. And I think, you know, facing an opponent like this, you probably can stay between the tackles, get three or four yards every single carry, pop a couple of 20-yarders in there, and get some points on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and just no empty drives. Yeah. You know, like, kick a field goal.
0: Yeah.
2: Get some points. You're on their side of the field. Yeah. So, I I would say just no empty drives, which kind of aligns with Chase. Don't turn the ball over. Two, take the ball away. And three, just pound the rock. I think that's, I I don't know that this needs an extravagant game plan to beat Northern Illinois. Rocky Lombardi, by the way, Chase, has already played at Memorial Stadium in his career. He was uh, a Michigan, Michigan State. State backup quarterback who then got elevated because of an injury situation um, at Michigan State when they came here and Nebraska beat them in the snow 9-6 to six under Scott Frost. What was it, 2017? 17, I think. And it was toward the end of the uh, year. Because that was, that was his was,
0: kind of signature win that season. When
2: you, no, when you look at Scott Frost's quote-unquote signature win. That's up there. That was one. It was one of the better
3: ones.
0: It was
2: Rocky well, Lombardi, I
0: think, and he's back.
3: I th- yeah, I think he graduated high school in 2016, so Rocky's been around.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I, when I looked him up on ESPN, he had stats for six seasons. And we will. Uh, we don't
2: want to say goodbye before we let everybody know that it's Jeff Levering and Mark Helfrich on the call Ooh. this week, and it's uh, an FS1 broadcast, That's six right. o'clock kickoff at memorial stadium
0: uh thank you for that kevin chase i think we might have to let you go so i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to finish this up here with kevin real quick chase has got to go do a shoot because he's a hard-working guy so chase appreciate your time kevin really quickly before um we kind of wrap this up i wanted to really just quickly ask you about volleyball big week for oh, the go. volleyball team they're at number five stanford tonight huskers obviously number four seven and oh will be a big match for john cook and the uh, lady huskers it's gonna be huge uh, playing
2: in Palo Alto, you know, Nebraska is four. Stanford is number five. Uh, Kevin Hambly the coach of Stanford, and he is an amazing coach. Uh, so this is going to be a tough one. You know, the Huskers have looked really good. They've only dropped one set. Um, but how much has Nebraska been tested to this point? Well, they're about to get tested. I, I mean, they, they got tested against Creighton, but Creighton didn't have their best player on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first you better come with the, the guns loaded and in the holsters kind of and, game for uh, John Cook and in the, in the Huskers. So. In
0: Stanford, 6-1, and one, they swept Texas in Austin, mm-hmm. and then they got swept by Florida uh at home again both of those teams being top 10 teams both really good opponents yeah. and then not to leave out that nebraska
2: after playing stanford this evening it's going to be on espn, ESPN. by the way a national broadcast midweek which is amazing for the sport mm-hmm. um, that'll certainly help the growth and help the eyeballs and i'm sure the tv rating is going to be outstanding here on a tuesday evening um, it's an eight o'clock start central time by the way for those folks that are going to watch this evening. This Sunday, Nebraska's back home, and they host Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And Craig Skinner, a former John Cook assistant who won a national championship as uh, Kentucky's head coach. So this is a very challenging week, and if you look ahead on the schedule, I know coaches don't do that, but we can. <laughs> Big Ten play is not that far away, so the season is really going to start to ramp up for the Nebraska volleyball team.
0: Yeah, especially because once you start Big Ten play, you're, you're playing top 10, top 20 teams Correct. almost every week. Yeah, so let's see. They got Stanford at Stanford tonight, Kentucky at home on Sunday, and then it's uh, a Big Ten play. couple days off. Yeah, then it's Ohio State uh, at Devaney. They open with uh, Ohio State and Minnesota at Devaney Friday the 22nd and Sunday the 24th. So,
2: so this is the final
0: week of non-con
2: play, and, you know, this is going to be really tough for them. But I'm sure John Cook would not want it any other way, especially with a young team. And uh let's see how Harper Murray and Bergen Riley and Laney Choboy will perform. You know, I don't see this being a three set match tonight, Bill.
0: No. This no, thing I would could be, go five. I
2: be surprised. If if it is a three set match, it probably does not favor Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um what's the endurance look like? How mentally strong is the te- is this team when a match is in the balance? Because right now, how how tested has Nebraska been?
0: Not, like you said they only dropped one set to Creighton, and they didn't have their best player on the court. So. In the
2: set that they lost, Nebraska had already won the first two sets and won them very convincingly. Mm-hmm. So you just got the sense that the Huskers were not going to be in trouble against the Blue Jays last week. Mm-hmm. This is a every point's going to matter kind of deal. And I'm sure John Cook is really, really looking forward to Coaching in this match to see how his team operates, given all the newness, and and you know we might see a whole new level of leadership from Merritt Beeson, the Florida transfer who's one of the captains this year. You know this is an opportunity for her to guide this team um, in some tough moments, and you know I think everybody's very impressed with Merritt so far and the way that she conducts herself, the way that she has represented this program, and her production on the court. We might see it get even better. With this week's matches,
0: it will be an excellent match again. Like you said, it is on ESPN, not ESPN two, ESPN, the main main channel, uh, at eight o'clock tonight again. That's in Palo Alto, so they'll be playing Western time, and then uh, Kentucky at, back at home uh, this weekend. So again, talked about a lot uh, today, Kevin. Anything else before we let everyone go today?
2: No, it's interesting. You brought up the TV thing, so I just want to remind everybody that's listening and watching that last year when Nebraska played Creighton. Uh, You know, it was two top 25 teams playing at the CHI Center in front of 15,000 fans. If you remember, that game was on TV. It was on FS1, I believe. They had to cut away from the match because it went long. Five sets. They had to cut away from the match to televise a Major League Baseball game. And when you looked at the viewership numbers the next day, there were more people tuned in at the volleyball match than... Major League Baseball. But it was a contractual thing that they had to do it. Mm. So there have just been numerous instances in which Division 1 volleyball has not gotten the shine that it probably deserves. And in fact, it's been blatantly demoted to a FS2 or to another network, not one of the prime ones that broadcast uh sports.
0: I mean, even the national semifinal, they'll have one on ESPN2. You know, it doesn't get the main, you know, whatever.
2: I remember maybe four or five years ago, the national championship match was on ESPN 2. And you're wondering, why is it not on ESPN? Because ESPN was airing the FCS football playoffs. And I know John Cook has taken exception with this for many years. So it's really good to see that maybe the tide is turning. And you can only hope that the TV ratings with ESPN showing a little bit more love for volleyball during the regular season can only help the viewership numbers and then the growth of the sport. So um, no better way to start doing this during the regular season on a midweek Mm -hmm. than Nebraska-Stanford.
0: Nebraska-Stanford should be a good one. Again, Kevin will, of course, You'll have what coverage you can, with it being an 8 o'clock start. No, we'll get those highlights game.
2: on. We, we can't wait to let everybody know how this game plays
0: out. 100%. All right. So, uh, again, thanks so much, Kevin, uh, again, for jumping in joining us today. Again, insights are always uh, great. Again, thanks to Chase for joining us as well. So, um, in the 1011 Now streaming studio, this has been another In Report Husker show. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Please make sure to like and subscribe to the 1011 YouTube channel. And, as always, keep it tuned to 1011 both on air and online for all the latest news, weather, and sports. For Kevin Suits, Chase Madison. I'm Bill Rentschler Thanks so much for watching.
1: You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.